I'm Alan Wardus, and you're listening to Think Radio. You were asking it before about what we can do as individuals, and I think part of that is to be willing to reach your hand out, say hi to someone, shake their hand, ask them how they're doing, mean it when you ask it, and when they ask you back, tell them something real. That's Anthony Paponi, deep-thinking comedian, MC, and event host. He's got a plan to change the world one genuine human connection at a time. To find out how, stay tuned for this episode of Think Radio. Think Radio is supported by the Gunnison Country Times, Gunnison's locally owned hometown newspaper, and by listeners like you. To find out how you can become a Think Radio supporter, visit kbut.org. Anthony, thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Well, I'm interested in a lot of things about what you do because you do a lot of things, <laughs> right? You're one of those guys that seems to pop up everywhere. That's good, right? In the best possible sense. Okay, good, good. Yeah. But the thing that we don't readily see when we see you out emceeing an event, we don't ever get to see your story. We don't ever get to know who you are. How did you come, not just to be here, but how did you come to be you? <laughs> uh, well, as in many other cases, I was offered a one-way flight. I'm kidding, that's not how I wound up here. Uh, my ex-wife and I came out here to buy a business. Uh, we lived in Florida at the time, and we came up here in August. And if you know what Florida is like in August and what this place is like in August, it <laughs> was very, very, very attractive. Yeah, so we had the intent of looking at three different places, and after coming here and looking at the business opportunity here and uh, the community itself, we, we just never even went to the other places. This place just grabbed us. Well, so why? I mean, obviously the weather, but other than that, what were you looking for? What was it about this place that jumped up and said, pick me? Uh, community. I remember distinctly standing probably in the middle of the road on 135. So it's surprising that I wasn't killed. But, you know, standing there and looking up and seeing Carbon Peak and Flat Top and Red Mountain and just being blown away by the beauty of this place. Uh, but being on those first two blocks of Main Street, I mean, that's like the lifeblood of, of Gunnison and Elk Avenue. I would think you can say that it's the same thing for the north end of the valley. And it felt like a place that just resonated as far as uh, values, interests, space, you know, as yeah. a gathering space. Well, so that sort of answers the question of how you came to be here. But how did you come to be you? <laughs> if you ask people on the street, they'd give you a variety of interesting responses to that. <laughs> um it's been an interesting career. You know, I've done everything from being a scientist to being a researcher to being a, a middle school science teacher to being a conservation biologist. Uh, and when I worked here, you know, working in the, the Coal Creek realm um, and doing work with that nonprofit, it's been really interesting to just do things and recognize that they served you at a time and you enjoy doing those things. And this latest evolution of me being, you know, on a microphone a lot and behind a microphone and in front of people. I think it's sort of the recognition of what really lights me up. Did you do a lot of that as a kid, as a teenager? <laughs> I mean, were you the class clown? Yes, definitely class clown. Uh, desire to be center of attention for sure. And uh, that comes as no surprise to anyone. Thank you. It was a question that I had to ask, but we all already <laughs> knew the answer. Uh, I've never shied away from public speaking, even though it's, it's now turned into more of a formality in my professional career. But before it was, I was not great at the science part of it. I was great at talking to the people about the science part of it. I wasn't afraid of that. And some scientists, those sort of personality types hate that. It terrifies them. Um, I always loved it. I feel like that was um, the right role for me. Um, 
so it's been really fun to explore that, you know. Well, at what point did you cross that threshold where you said, wait a minute, this could be more than just uh, what I do as a hobby or on the sidelines? Probably a, a couple different points popped to mind. You know, one was doing a, a silent or a live auction for the Gunnison Valley Animal Welfare League probably a decade ago. And Christy Hoppert, who no longer lives here, but is a, an amazingly funny woman, we, she and I are old neighbors. They asked us to co MC and auctioneer this live auction. And we did it really well together. But at one point, Christy just looked over and said, why don't you just keep doing this and I'll go over here, you know? <laughs> and, uh, I was in the zone. I just love doing it. Upstaging Christy. That's not what made me happy. Sorry, <laughs> Christy. Um, and then another point, you know, I just remember doing a wedding. I'm seeing some friends weddings when I lived in Hawaii and feeling super tired, getting ready to hop on stage. It was the wedding was the Saturday after a Thursday or a Friday night, St. Patty's day. And so we have all these wedding things that we're doing and then St. Patty's day and then show up to the wedding venue and I'm getting ready to hop on stage. And I was like, holy cow, I've got nothing right now. And as soon as I walked out on stage, just there it was. Maybe the first time was like, you know, this Animal Welfare League thing was, you should explore this more. It's something that you enjoy doing. And then sort of affirmation a few years later of just like, you've gotten better at this. You can work with crowds. You should keep pursuing this. Yeah, you describe yourself now as a certified heckler. <laughs> it's a self-certification. And I'm assuming that being an accredited jester yes. is in the same. Also self-certification, yes. Although, listen, I'm going to go ahead and say, I think your audiences certify and accredit you as well, because uh, you really do have a great rapport Thanks. with uh, with people in an audience. I saw it the first time I ever saw you do anything. Um, it was kind of a tough crowd, I think. We were outside at the Arts Center yeah, doing, yeah. A, doing a dinner. and. Yeah. Not tough because people weren't enjoying themselves, but you really held us held us in the palm of your hand, and I just want to compliment you for that. In fact, it brings up a question for me. Sure. I mean, I could see you doing stand-up on the circuit, right? Comedy club stuff. Has that sort of application for your talents ever crossed your mind? Yes. Uh, I certainly try to weave humor into everything I do, you know, and... Um that's even sort of the tagline for the business, you know, the business is called humorous and, but we're way more than just humorous. And I think there's a part of me, I'm always looking for something more than just the quick laugh for standup to me. It some reason it feels shallow and I know it's not, I know that it serves a greater purpose. You know, there's such power in making people laugh and how that can change an individual. But I think that's why I attach myself to more of the keynote so that there's information being provided and transformation being provided through the information along with it being humorous. Uh, so I think I, mine is weaving in humor with what I do in other realms. So. Well, and, and let's, so let's talk about that. Let's right, make sure. that shift to these other realms. Um, you've mentioned it. You do a lot of work for nonprofits. Yep. Um, why, what is it about nonprofit organizations and the work they do that, that appeals to you so much? Uh, it comes from a place of, I think, gratitude for kind of where I am in my life. You know, I come from a, a broken family. Uh, my parents divorced when I was five. And when they divorced, my mom left. Uh, she tells this story, and I, I love this story. I'm so proud of my mom. Um, she left with three kids, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. And she left with three quarters. That's one quarter for each child and a can of Campbell's soup. And she lifted herself up. She got a Pell Grant. She went to college, got her nursing degree, and she works in hospice now. She's just retiring. And I just recognized that we were given a chance because of the social safety net that our 
nation provides. And I think I was just driven to give back. And then in Hawaii, the big shift that came for me that I think has also kind of changed my relationship with nonprofits in a really good way is I worked for Boys and Girls Club and, you know, impoverished youth needing a helping hand, needing to be lifted up. And that connected me to my childhood very closely. And so that was a very powerful mission for me. But then also realizing that that nonprofit realm can hold you back too. you know, that it's just because they hire you as the fundraiser or they hired you to do marketing doesn't mean that you don't help take out the trash, you know, and doesn't mean that you don't clean up after the event, even though you're supposed to be the high level fundraiser. And, um, and I, there's no problem with having humility and doing those roles. Of course. Um, but that steps away from what is it that really lights me up and how do you do more of that? Mm-hmm. So yeah, now, now I'm supporting the nonprofit community or supporting my community. Let's call it overall. And, you know, the vibrancy of our community, uh, by being the MC at IBAR and doing something with the chamber of commerce to help with their events uh, and you know doing galas and helping with those sort of elements that are a great use of what I think is my skill set and matching a need with the community. Sure, it focuses mm-hmm. your talent on exactly where it's needed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about the uh, trend these days on, on the subject of, of nonprofits and volunteerism? The trend of a precipitous decline in volunteerism that what's going on there in your mind? There's a grand disconnect, I think, of face-to-face. Um, the human brain loves it. It's something that, our, that we're wired to do. And so that this is happening uh, is certainly problematic. You know, I think it's leading to a lot of declines in society overall. Um, the book Better Together and Bowling Alone showed this precipitous decline. And it's not just nonprofits. It was all sorts of organizations. Uh, it was faith-based institutions as well. Mm-hmm. Church memberships way down. Everything. And it was also a change in amount of money going out to nonprofits and uh, also a decline in things like picnics and parties, all of it moving in that direction. And if the book itself talks about how this started in the 1960s when we started having dual income families and that the homemaker typically was the one that was the civic engagee, you know, that was the person that um, had the time to care for the kids, take care of the family. But also run the bake sales and and, uh, yeah, do the PTA stuff, you know, organize those things. And so that's part of it. Um, It also was at the same time as the advent of the blue screen TV, right? Um, And the book actually talks a lot about how this happened in the industrial revolution as well, that this was something that came around when um, new gadgets were mass available and they started to disconnect as a society and they took an active approach to resolve it. And this is where the creation of so many uh, historic nonprofits came from. Uh, Rotary Club, uh, Boys and Girls Club, Red Cross, all happened at this time because they were recognizing that they were disconnecting as a society. Um, this is because they were coming from farms, moving to cities, working in factories, and losing small community and turning into big community. And so their fix for that was to create smaller communities within communities through the nonprofit realm. Mm-hmm. And so there's solutions to this. So all of that really leads into something that you are very passionate about and really the reason why I wanted to talk with you today. Um, in your business and in all of the work that you do around the community, you've identified this issue of social disconnection as something that is very powerfully important to you. What was it about that particular trend in society that caught your attention and has actually enticed you to form part of your business around it? I think part of it is that the evidence out there that this is a problem has made me just aware of it. 
is starting with my own exploration of happiness. Well, what, what's the power of laughter? Why does laughter make people so happy? Oh, it releases endorphins. And that's a happy chemical that your brain releases. And then it transitioned into, well, there's other happy chemicals. You know, there's serotonin when you feel pride or status, and there's dopamine when you accomplish tasks, and there's oxytocin. You know, oxytocin is, you get it from a high five, you get it from a hug, you get it from a kiss, you get it from being in love, you have a huge release of it when you uh, give birth. It's the relationship drug, right? Knowing that that's so important to us, and then seeing that as a society we're disconnecting, you know, we're super mobile now, we don't live in the hometowns, like this isn't your hometown, right? No. And I keep moving because the law keeps catching up with me. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I promise not to tell them. Yeah, thanks, this isn't my real name. Okay. I mean, who would choose Tony Paponi as a real name? No one. Nobody, right, so it's obviously a gimmick. But I think what made me so aware of the power of that connectedness and community is when I moved here. You know, when I moved to Gunnison and I was always involved in volunteerism, I was always involved in my community, but I came, became a foster parent here. I was on uh, nonprofit boards. I was volunteering for events. I ran a river, the river festival for a while. And I had never been so heavily invested in something, but I've just recognized that, that this slipping away of this connectivity, you know, that we have social media now and we have smartphones and we have video games, we're pulling away from each other and, and it's not good for us. Yeah. And, and you find that's true even here because this valley, this community is sure. probably better off than a lot of places. Would oh, you sure. agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that what we have here in the environment to make us happy, and I don't mean the environment like forest the trees service, and the, in the no. mountains. No. I mean, our environment as a whole, you know, taking people, place, opportunities. If you look at all these different bits of information on happiness, um, the most recent thing that I've been into and really loving is uh, Blue Zones of Happiness, which is uh, work by Dan Butner who initially looked at the longevity of populations and tried to reverse engineer, why are they living so long in Costa Rica in this one community? Mm -hmm. And it's not because they're trying to, it's because of their environment that allows them to live so long. And then he did the same thing with happiness. They looked at communities throughout the world. Why are they so happy in Denmark? Why are they so happy in Boulder? Boulder's top 10 in, in the world. <laughs> um, you know, you have to find the environment that supports what you want. You yeah. know, if you need stadium rock concerts, or you need to go to big baseball games like the Rockies, Gunnison may not be the fit for you, right? Right, unless you like driving a lot. If you don't like winter <laughs> and you don't like skiing, there's something that gets you out of doors that you you know, you know appreciate that. Dan Butner will say that 20% of your happiness is you control it, but that 80% of it is driven by where you are. And so where you are is like you find the right church or you find the right nonprofit to volunteer for it. If you have good social connections, your friend network is really strong. Uh, walkability is a huge piece of it. So if you live in either of our bigger communities in the valley, people on bikes and on, on foot all the time. And he calls it natural movement. He's not saying that you mm -hmm. need to run a marathon to be happy because I would not be r happy running a marathon. But you need to be able to walk to the grocery store. Yeah, but that is really good for you. That getting out, getting some endorphin release, stimulation, sunshine, all that stuff is really good for your overall happiness. Um, so anyway, I think that you know when you look at what makes this environment work, it's also that, that I get to play a role he calls it the three P's, pleasure, pride, and purpose. You know, I derive pleasure from a lot of the work that I do. I take pride in that work. I feel good about my life and the role I'm playing in my community and purpose. You know, I feel like I'm doing something of value with my time, either at work or in play.
Well, what are the consequences for communities when people don't have those things? You know, that's that's a big question. I mean, you know, 25% of the people in the U.S. will say that they don't have a person to turn to when they're suffering or in pain. You know, so they're alone. Wait, wait, wait a minute. One in four? One in four. Say that they don't have anybody to go to. So what do you do in those situations? You know, does it lead to depression? Does it lead to drug abuse? Does it lead to substance abuse or alcohol? Whatever it would be. That isolationism, right? I think we do a great job in this community where, you know, I've heard Gunnison called sort of a purple state. You know, it's a mixture of blue and red. Mm -hmm. But that's a great thing, you know, that we have the ability to rub elbows with real people with different opinions about politics. But I think because we know them as as an individual, that's Mm -hmm. the guy that's the hockey coach. Uh, That's the person that, I saw in the in Son of a Gun. That's the person that was in Move the Butte. Mm-hmm. You know, that breaks down those barriers. There's not anonymity. Those are actual real people with real faces and real stories. And I think we have the ability to treat them with more compassion or a willingness to not treat them as me or not me. Well, one of the definitions of community that I've heard, and I wish I could attribute it, but I can't at this moment, is a community is a place where you know each other in more than one role. Oh, I like that. So in other words, I know you because you work at Ace Hardware, Mm -hmm. but I also go to church with you, or I also... um, Seen you play in a band. Yeah, that's where community really begins. That seems to be what you're pointing to. Yeah, and that community, and I think what we have that's offered here that jumped out at me lately about how excited I was to just see some of the things that we can offer in a valley of only 16,000 people. Uh, Move the Butte that I've been to several times but it's so amazing to see people on stage that you know from completely other roles. Right, dancing. Given, given a chance to perform. And like, yeah. that is just, and I, I can't wait to see those people next time. Because it was, was such awesome. an awesome. Yeah, just like, that was amazing, you know? Yeah, and dancing of all things. Yeah. I mean, most people wouldn't dance in public to save their lives. <laughs> if, if they really thought people were watching, <laughs> no, they wouldn't do it. I, I dance in public, but people usually pay me to stop. Um, and I only <laughs> Is have, that how you make your money? Not much money. But your point is, that's real community. But you're seeing these creeping negative consequences of disconnection even here. How? Where? Uh, well, I don't know. Walk around the walk around your community at night and watch how many blue screens are flickering, you know, inside and ask any nonprofit around here if they're having a hard time or an easy time recruiting board members. I think it is potentially problematic here. I mean, we have suicides that are happening in our community, an alarming percentage, even with a small data set. Uh, We have drug use here. We don't see these issues manifest if it's in isolation and drug abuse, which is maybe done in isolation as well. I would say that our story is a positive one, you know, that I feel like what makes people come here and want to stay here or then they leave here and they want to come back is because of what they found here. But if you're talking to a room full of average folks, they just work a day people. What do you say to them to impress upon them that this matters? Whether we watch too much TV or not, whether we uh, have picnics anymore or not? That's a tough one. You know, I mean, people move here, they would like to stay here, but what they give up on a lot of time is that pleasure piece. You know, they, they want to be here. And so they have to choose. I can either have my career path in a bigger city or I can have the lifestyle that I want but I can't have the lifestyle I want living in Denver, but I can have the lifestyle here, but I, I have to eat ramen noodles. Yeah, or work four jobs, and yeah. then they don't even have time to go to the picnic if right. it is happening. If they had roots here and they weren't working four jobs, their 
volunteering for the fire department. They're on the board for a nonprofit. They're acting in a play. They're engaged in the vibrancy of this community. But we don't get that when they come and they go. But your premise seems to be that um, focusing on creating better social cohesion and sure. connection yeah. actually helps with these things. Well, I think it breaks down barriers too. I mean, you know, put yourself in a room full of strangers. There's a huge amount of discomfort that can come from that. Unless, of course, you like holding the microphone um, and telling <laughs> mediocre jokes. Um, <laughs> not everyone can do that. Not everyone should. <laughs> and some people say I shouldn't. Um, but yeah, I think that it creates vibrancy. It fulfills a lot of needs, you know, that I think overall are helpful for us and get us to to cross those divides. Well, and do you think it would help break down some of what you described as these problems are there, we just don't see them? That yeah. if we're interacting with each other more, we're more likely to catch on that somebody's struggling. Well, yeah, and if we're paying attention, we've seen this decline in trust over time too. And that decline in trust has come from competitive environments and this lack of a, um, empathy towards other people or an ability to be vulnerable. But we have a hard time showing vulnerability. We don't want to look stupid yeah, or flawed. Or flawed, right? We're not going to prevent um, somebody from severe depression if that's a chemical flaw within them that needs to be chemically treated. But we can keep people from heading down these downward spirals because they're out and doing things and helping find their own passion. How would you prescribe, Dr. Tony Poponi? <laughs> um, Dr. That of love. Doctor of love. Oh, I don't want to go there. No, it's, it's Russian. All. Of love. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, I think communities are trying to do lots of things. Sure. Let's talk to individual people. What can individual people do to contribute to the solution? I think you have to find what works for you. And I think you have to look at what lights you up and find ways to bring that into your life more. And if I say to you, it makes me happy to play video games 20 hours a day. Uh... And not everybody's social, right? There are these things called introverts, you know, and <laughs> and for some people, you know, the, the Xbox might actually make them happy because it's something that they like to do. It's a mental break. It's whatever it is for them. It gets them away. There's a point where that's diminishing returns. You know, figuring out what, you, what makes you tick and then embracing the discomfort that comes with making the changes that you would like in your life. And what kind of discomfort are you referring to? Uh, it's very personal. I mean, so it could just be uh, discomfort in a crowd. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not into organized religion. Like that's not my thing, but we keep coming back to faith based because it comes out of that blue zones um, book that people that are actively engaged in their spirituality are happier. So the challenge for you might be finding that right version of spirituality. And what Dan Buter will say is go to six churches or go to six organized facilities, a mosque, whatever it is for you. See if it works. If it works, stay. If it doesn't, keep going. <laughs> but you have to invest in trying to find that. Mm. Um, for me, I mean, there's discomfort in a lot of things. Like, I love improv, but going to improv for the first time, there's no script. That's the point, you know? So there's, like, stepping into that situation uh, and hopefully being surrounded by supportive people that want to see you succeed in that. Well, so that brings me back to my point. Okay. Uh, that communities really are doing a lot of the right things. Oh yeah. There are organizations that would cater to a lot of these needs, these niches sure. that you're re sure. referring to and identifying. 
but you have to turn off the TV and go. Yeah, you've got to make that decision. And and I would say that this is the other thing we can do as individuals to support community, to support individuals. Uh, if you see how that works full circle, is that the Chamber of Commerce up in Crested Butte has for years now taken an active role in building events uh, for the community. You know, they put on the Fat Bike Worlds, they put on the Chainless Race, they put on Chilean Beer Fest and Crafted. And the Chamber of Commerce down here has done that as well. They've done things that I would call community events versus um, special events, you know, community events, money losers, right? So uh, Night of Lights, Trick or Treat on Main Street, you know, and so getting people out again, getting our kids out in the community and getting connected to downtown. Wait, that's for kids? I, I do that every year. <laughs> uh, I liked your outfit last year, R2-D2. Nobody knew that was you, you in there. <laughs> but yeah, I think we have to, um, uh, we as a, as a community have to support those efforts. And it can be however you want. Be a member of the chamber, perform in the art center. You know, I, I don't think they ever have too many actors for Son of a Gun from my past experience, you know. <laughs> you know, find what works for you. There are infinite needs and infinite connections to people that can fulfill that need and both can win. Well, so this brings us full circle then to what it is that you have to offer. How can you help? You formed a company, Humor Us, Tell us the, the website, please. Uh, www.humore.us. Humorus. Yes, or anthonypoponi.com, since I'm a narcissist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I play different roles in the community, and it's sort of by choice. I've tried to carve out a role for me in this community and in the larger community, in you know, our nation, of, of using what I enjoy doing. I'm trying to find those roles where I'm either communicating or public relations or communications or marketing and communicating messages out. I'm doing that with, you know, I work for the RTA and do some work for them and love what that does for our economy and our community. Um, part of the ice lab and helped with the accelerator cohort that came through and helped them with um, communication and public speaking because I had to give a, a trout tank pitch at the end and uh, working, you know, as a volunteer with the Gunnison Vibrancy Initiative. I think what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find those roles in the community that, that serve my vision for the community and also fit with the skill set that I would like to employ. And you also offer classes, correct? Yeah. So if an organization wants to bring you in to hear this in a more concentrated version, yeah, you, you'll do that for them. Yeah, there's a talk it's on my website, just the humorist slash happy. You were asking it before about what we can do as individuals, and I think part of that is to be willing to reach your hand out, say hi to someone, shake their hand, ask them how they're doing, mean it when you ask it, and when they ask you back, tell them something real. Like we're, we've lost this ability to be interested in other people and to also be interesting ourselves. Well, so the last question I had intended to ask you today okay. was give us some homework. And I think that maybe you just did make it your mission to do what you just described. Meet yeah. somebody. Uh, or really simple things. I have an A to Z of happiness that takes each letter of the alphabet and assigns something to it. But one of them is gratitude. I do this thing every day. It's on my phone and it, my phone goes off at 1234 every day. One, two, three, four. And I call it one, two, three, four, five. So it's 1234 and I say one, two, three, four. Here's five things I'm grateful for. Like I get to talk about something I enjoy about. There's one right there mm -hmm. today. We're doing it right now. Um, people are going to go to my website. I'm going to make millions of dollars now because of this podcast. And, uh, and and pay a commission to Think Radio too, I'm sure. Absolutely. We should talk about that before the podcast started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all look for just tools to to be more present and grateful for what, what we have, even the smallest things. Well, you made it look effortless. Anthony, I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, thanks. Me too. And uh, look forward to seeing you out there. Yeah, thanks so much, Al. 
Think Radio is a production of Alan Mortis Media. To contact Alan, visit alanmortismedia.com. The show's producer is Issa Forrest. Original music by Issa Forrest. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another great conversation on Think Radio.